cheers to William Shakespeare, because leave it to John Paul Jones to uh, take up the mantle of the bard and bring some some pickup lines from Romeo Montague to the beaches of paradise. So to the bard. To the bard. Cheers to That is a podcast dedicated to the deep questions of life that only a creative franchise like The Bachelor can inspire. Steph and J-Jack explore the stories, the drinks, and the bingo card-inducing drama on Cheers to That. Cheers! Alright gang, welcome to episode 2 of Cheers to That, the only Bachelor podcast on the internet. It's going to be, uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode. because I really liked these episodes. <laughs> I, I was really nervous at first. I'm like, but it just got better and better. So it I'm, just kept, you know, like a good, like a good mystery novel, just kept layering new and exciting dramas atop each other. And okay. it was very satisfying and kind of a you know, something cool you find in the trash kind of way. <laughs> like when you used to go dumpster diving and found like an entirely uh, perfectly fine bag of broccoli. Yeah, I have never done that, but I would imagine the, little, the feeling is the same. Little window into my single years. Okay, so uh, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Okay, so uh, what are we drinking today? We are drinking um, a an original concoction that I, I made uh, inspired by one of our favorite Bachelor personalities. So Jordan. Yeah. So in, we love Jordan. <laughs> so in episode, it's funny how he was like the villain of his season and somehow became the hero of this one. Yeah, but he was a Corinne style villain, which I take to mean that he was a villain that really meant no harm. He was just there to be funny. So there's kind of two tiers of villains in the show. There's the Chad Luke style. And then there's the Olivia. Lee. I would say Lee would fall in that category yeah. too. Well, yeah, you're probably right. And then, then there's like Olivia, Corinne, Jordan. Anyway, so drinks. Let's talk about drinks. So, uh, so this is a cocktail inspired by pretty much the entire segment of Jordan coming onto the beach. It's named after what Katie says when he's walking up. Uh, I was kind of inspired. She calls him the Grenade of Paradise or the Grenade in Paradise. So this is a, a cocktail called the Grenade in Paradise. We start with our base spirit. He takes Nicole uh, on a date, so we have to go with rum, of course, uh, for the because uh, she's from Miami and you know Cuban rum it makes complete sense. So no rum, a uh, little bit of lime juice to to keep things bright, keep things refreshing. In his in his opening conversation with Chris Harrison, got some citrus spray on it. And it yeah, he's wearing his his. Uh, He's wearing his trademark salt spray in his hair that he wore last season. I guess this is like a new addition that has some tangerine in it. So so we're inspired by tangerine. So we're going to do a uh, juiced tangerine. If you absolutely can't find any tangerines to juice, you can do orange juice if you want. Uh, but what's the fun of that? And then to make things spicy and interesting, we're doing some ancho reyes liqueur. Yum. And just a little bit of pineapple because the pineapple will play off that heat really well. Uh, and then, of course... It's a salt spray, and he says he's the seasoned salt and pepper um, mayor of town. So we'll be using a, a, the good old standby salted rim. So if you want to check out that recipe and make it on your own, check out the notes on this very episode at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast. And maybe if you wanted to add a little pepper to your salt and pepper rim, maybe instead of black pepper, you'd 
do better with some red pepper, something like that, <laughs> to give it some heat, but not taste like, I don't know, a baked potato. But is that what Jordan meant when he said salt and pepper? I think we need to do him justice. I don't know. I'm not sure. He definitely doesn't have the salt and pepper appeal of, say, a Peter Krause. But uh, yeah, he's he's still very much blonde. So his it was honestly a little hard to follow all of his metaphors. So this is episode two, so we're going to be introducing um, a really exciting element to this show, keeping it interactive, keeping it fun. We're talking about good old bingo. So we mentioned it um, in passing in the last episode. This is is how it works. Go to the show notes for this episode at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast, and you can find a link to download a bingo card. We actually found a website where you can make your own bingo cards. And of course, it's filled with all kinds of tropes you'd expect from this show. And uh, you can follow along and play with us. Uh, post your winnings on Instagram. Be sure to tag us. And uh, yeah, so it's really just a, a way for us to stay connected as we all love to watch and hate ourselves for loving to watch at the same time. <laughs> so if you listened to last week's episode, you would have downloaded the bingo card for this week. So we're going to go through everything that happened. So before we review the bingo card from these last two episodes, episode three and four, let's just go over the rules real quick. So you have all these tropes like drinking tequila, like getting a date card turned down, et cetera, et cetera. Entering a hot tub, kissing under fireworks, saying for the right reasons. Kissing the hot tub. No. So just, uh, just to make it very, very clear, when you see it on screen, Cross it off your list when you when you download the bingo card. However, what does not count is if it was seen in a flashback or seen in a preview for another upcoming episode of The Bachelor. So it must happen in the episode that you are watching. For example, when Jordan shows up, they show a clip of him from last year while wearing a magnificent flowered one-piece romper sort of thing. Jumpsuit? Yes, jumpsuit. Throwing a giant carnival prize stuffed dog into the water... Uh, we have throws something out of anger on the card, and you can't use that since it was in a flashback of him doing that when he was trying to win Jenna's affections away from Benoit. This is a very Jordan-heavy episode, just be warned. The cards that you download and play with, use them for both episodes. If you just If you do happen to get a bingo in the first episode, get another one. We'll be making a new episodes card every single week so the link to this week's episode of the podcast will be applied to episode five and six and then so forth and so on i hope this hope this is helpful and i hope you enjoy it i look forward to making this uh show more interactive more fun and a little more complicated so also i just realized he wasn't trying to steal jenna's affections from benoit at that point he was trying to steal them away from Chicken Boy, the hedge fund David, yeah. the hedge fund manager guy. Man, yeah, there were some uh, rocky foundations to that uh, that engagement. No wonder it was ill-fated. Here we go. So uh, if you were playing along with us for episode three and four, here were the boxes to check off with your bingo card. So episode three, we have weather represents conflict when the focus on the storm become before the ceremony is used as a trope to get us ready for the upcoming drama. We have Love Polygon of some sort. Tasha referencing Blake and the other girls. That's a very large, complicated polygon. Yes. We have Spanish being spoken poorly when uh, Jordan uses the word La Banya, which is not a thing. We have Hot Tub, people being in the hot tub. 
Blake dances while Jordan does an ITM. We have a, a body part being blocked by editing. That's Jordan flipping off the camera in an ITM. We have a date being declined when Hannah rejects Jordan. I told you this is a very Jordan-heavy first half of the episode. Well, he's the mayor of paradise. I guess it's only appropriate. Uh, we have someone bitching to someone else about someone. That's Dylan complaining to Kevin. We have misuse of English. This is great. When Demi uses the word cautionous, that's not a word. I love it, though. We have people drinking tequila in any sh- any shape or form. That's Dylan and Hannah walking away with margaritas in their hand. We have, now this is contestable, but if you are playing with this, you don't want to disagree with this. Uh, someone being visibly drunk. Uh, during this conversation at the table, Dylan is all red-eyed and kind of soft-looking, while Jordan walks off with Nicole. We have somebody being on the show for a specific person, Blake ITMing about pursuing Hannah. We have exercise on the beach and a medical emergency. This is awesome. Kind of a two-for-one. When Blake messes up his toe while playing football. We have the phrase, right reasons. Uh, Cam ITMing about Mike. We have sunburned. That's just Cam all the time. Poor Cam. We have uh, talking about having kids. Cam talks about being a father during the night TM. Poor Cam. Poor, poor Cam. We have dancing in a local town. Mike and Kaylin. I was like, her name, her name makes me want to go, Kaylin. Kaylin. It K- does sound like it could be Southern. K- Kaylin, we're not here to buy the toys. Kaylin. Uh, they dance in a local town. We have a sobbing meltdown. Uh, Katie and the whole Wills thing. That was very confusing. And that's pretty much it for episode three. In episode four, we start out right away with the hot tub. Uh, JPJ sleeping in the hot tub. That looked very dangerous. I was very concerned. I was hoping that somebody on hand knew CPR. Well, we learned from all the previous, there's like 20 security guards at all times. That's true. We have someone bitching about someone. That's Demi and Kaylin and Tasha talking about the whole Blake down. We have people drinking tequila. Very quickly, this is the first time it happens. Of course, this happens all over the show. Uh, we have Katie uh, drinking a margarita when Dean arrives. We have a reference to the love polygon talking about Hannah and all that stuff. We have exercising on the beach when the guys are like humping rocks or whatever they're doing. It's very like CrossFit meets the Flintstones kind of. Uh, we have the, the DIY date. That's Sydney and Mike having an ice cream date. Or if you don't count that, the whole Christian pinata situation. <laughs> Christian pinatas sounds like something you do instead of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> At a church. Uh, and then, of course, speaking of the Christian pinata date, we have a physical altercation when the situation happens with Jordan and Christian. Throwing punches over the pinata. And then, in the very, very last second of the episode, you have throwing in anger when Jordan throws Christian in anger over his shoulder. <laughs> so... I'm sure a few of you guys got a bingo uh, at some point. I definitely got one, and I, I got it first. I'm really proud. But, I mean, they're randomly shuffled, so I can't take too much credit. But still, I got a bingo, and it felt good. So if you guys downloaded the bingo card and played along, take a picture of it, throw it up on Instagram, tag us. Love to stay in touch. All right, it's time to get into a rapid recap. Rapid recap? If you missed out on the show, here's five or six things you must know. Number one. Bibiana just can't win. Uh, Taisha, Mike, and Dean are all fans of our podcast because they keep saying cheers to that. They do. It's like Nick Vial is on the show again, which is where we got the name. 
But uh, yeah, they keep, especially Dean. So cheers to that. I th- I'm, I think it's I think it's us. I think it's totally. It must be. At least we're putting that vibe out into the universe, and they're they're picking it up. Uh, Annalise will do much better not on the show. Annalise needs tender. <laughs> uh, Demi is actually twelve. When you see her without her makeup on, you realize she's actually a twelve-year-old girl. She does look very young. Dean lives on government cheese and lives in a van down by the river. Yeah, I mean, he has a real future in motivational speaking, if Chris Farley taught us anything. I've lost all sympathy for Blake. Ugh. I, I really did kind of feel bad at the end of the last episode. I don't after this week. Uh, all it took for me was him saying, I humiliated you to Christina with so much derision in his voice that I just I just wanted to dropkick his huge, tall, goofy bum. Well, it, it was after he does the 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 stagecoach dance in the on the beach with Hannah and all the other girls were like, "Oh, that looks familiar." That's when I'm like, "Oh, this guy is just totally working on his own formula." Yeah, he's not even being original at this point. Christian sounds like the narrator on Jane the Virgin. He does. Yes, I'm talking like these. <laughs> I know, right? Straight out of a telenovela. <laughs> <laughs> Clay and Christian hold hands for five solid minutes. They just were sweating palms up against each other. And finally, JPJ's high school drama classes have actually paid off. Ugh, this was the best. I was just kind of baffled that no one else was gunning for Tasha at that point. And she seemed to be the bell of the ball to me. But, uh, You know, I mean, as, as the women on Here to Make Friends pointed out... There are a lot of men who are really, really excited by a an animate Barbie doll and or a in the flesh Disney princess. I will say that I so, although although I will say that Taisha would qualify as a human Disney princess. She just you know is not blonde. Um, she still has very white teeth and she's very big shiny eyes. So. I don't know. Maybe she just talks more than Hannah G on the beach so far. I'm not really sure. I will say this. She definitely broke her promise with her dad during her introductory tiger growl thing. Yeah, I have not seen the turtleneck he assigned her. She's yeah. really she's really dropping the ball on that. Not a very good Disney princess, if you yeah, ask on me. Yeah, on the dress code policy. So, so that's a very good segue into our first question. This is a podcast that's not really going to do the recap thing because, frankly, there's a billion other recap shows that do this much better than we could, the whole deadline thing. And uh, so what we want to do is really focus on the questions, on the controversies, and just kind of get a different perspective and hopefully add a little value to – And just add to the conversation. So the first question is, while I'm watching episode three and episode four, it's been – it's been kind of boring in some ways because it seems everything involves Hannah or Kaylin or Kaylin. 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 I'm pretty sure it's Kaylin. Kaylin? Yeah. So the season's been kind of boring for me in some ways lately because it seems like everything revolves around Hannah or Kaylin. But Hannah. <laughs> Kaylin? Kaylin. 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 Okay, thank you. Anyway, so Han- Hannah. Uh, I just, I don't understand why everyone likes her so much. And you said in an earlier conversation, it's because she's very Disney princessy. like But I don't even, I, I don't, I don't get the attraction. Do you, like, why, 
There's like four guys fighting over her or something at this point. Well, she's very traditionally feminine. She's tiny. She's blonde. She has huge, shiny blue eyes and perfect teeth. And, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys are kind of roided up uh, bodybuilder football type guys. And I don't know. Maybe they just want a little cheerleader they can throw around. She's literally an Instagram model. That is her job. She gets paid to take picture, have pictures taken of her or that she takes herself in bikinis in places that are expensive to to go to. Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get. I I just you know, I don't know. So so thinking about about this, like I I kind of framed up all these questions as kind of like this person versus that person because you see these themes that kind of run through the last two episodes and you see them being done right and done wrong or really done the same way and it's just perceived differently. So a, a good example of this is Jordan versus Cam because Jordan is pretty much ridiculous. And so is Cam, yet Jordan gets rewarded, at least by the show, for being ridiculous while Cam gets punished. Did you ever think about that? Like, like what what makes Cam so bad and Jordan so good when they're both just kind of ridiculous? Well, and I want to give Cam a little bit of credit that I don't think he's gotten. He has really had what, what we might call a glow up. He's, uh, he's come back and before he was kind of, he, he had kind of longer hair that was sort of combed to the side and he had a thicker beard and and he's really kind of he's serving me a better version of tom green Mm. kind of vibe right now Mm. um yeah the shirts are a little ace ventura a little mid 90s maybe he needs to button up one more than he is but, but so is jordan wore a flowery romper in the last I'm not on to jordan yet i'm just trying to this is the giving cam credit segment okay, okay, um he also has trimmed his beard up he's cut his hair he's looking a lot better i would say he looks about 40% better which is significant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i think that you know that that we should give credit where credit is due that said his whole shtick on Hannah's season was completely ridiculous. Nobody was asking for the raps. It was terrible. But, and Jordan was totally ridiculous on Becca's season uh, with the gold underwear and all that. Nobody wanted to see that facing the camera. Oof. Um, but Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> but, however, last season on Paradise, Jordan got an amazing redemption arc. And Cam just hasn't had that. If he really hit it off with somebody and, you know, had this beautiful love story like he wants and is very, very vocal about wanting, then, you know, maybe next season he would come back and people would be like, oh, Cam, it was so cute. It was so sweet. And even though, I mean, Jordan gets sympathy like crazy for being rejected by Jenna after mm-hmm. all these romantic gestures he made, all these overtures, and even like, you know, culminating with a proposal. That's very, very... That'll garner you a lot of sympathy, and Cam just hasn't really tapped into anything um, that anybody finds appealing quite yet. It's it's tricky because, like, I mean, he'll he'll do the jokes like "I'm in paradise" or the raps and stuff. It's it's not a it's not appealing. It, it's really strange. It's just basically, I do think at the core of it, you see a self confidence in Jordan that you don't see in Cam. Yeah. And I think that's what people kind of smell. Yeah, Cam kind of gets these crazy eyes. Like, he gets – his eyes go really big. And he just – 
it it reads insincere for some reason, or as Jordan might have said on Becca's season, ingenuine. Ingenuitous. In ingenuity. Ingenu. Yeah. See, if we were playing bingo back then, oh well, too bad. Yeah. It's it's really it's really unfortunate because people can smell that people can smell that uncertainty or that trying too hardness. It's just a little weird when you've known someone for a few days and you say, I think they would be a really amazing mother and I just really want to have children with her. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, slow your roll. That's all. It's just, uh, it, it's strange to me how much confidence can cover a multitude of sins because Jordan is just as ridiculous. He's just not trying very hard. He's just having fun being a clown. And he's also not getting any success with dates either. So... I feel like you may have to kind of choose your your lane a little bit. Do you want to be the funny guy or do you want to go on dates? Because, <laughs> you know, it, I don't think Nicole is going to give him a second date. So it's not really working out that well for him either. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, fight at the end of episode four or not, I think he would. he's not going to go on to the next round. But that's I think, all speculation I, at this point. I think to keep with the Shakespearean theme, he will go gently into that good night or whatever it says at the end of Hamlet. So, so the, the other, this versus that, that's been in my head is we're going to be talking about Hannah a lot here, but like the Dylan versus Hannah strategy. And what I mean is going into BIP with your eyes focused on one person versus going into BIP to kind of be open to an experience. Cause you have Dylan who's, just completely in Hannah and very puppy dog about it. And you have Hannah who multiple times over the last three or four episodes has said, I, I just want to see where this takes me. I want to see where that person takes me or that experience. I want to be open. And it seems like every single time people, it's just, it's just strange because the show is set up to be go on this show, go on this vacation to find someone or get out. That's kind of how Chris Harrison framed it up in episode one. And so when you go into Bachelor in Paradise going, I want to check out that person. And if it doesn't work out, I don't want to be here anymore, which seems to be the most sincere way to go. Those people tend to get punished uh, by the people who are there just to kind of be open minded. And yeah, what they really want is for you to be, quote unquote, open minded, but really go on dates with several people so that you can make people jealous. See Nicole as an example of this. It makes for better TV for her to really, really be into Clay, then go on a date with Jordan, which makes Clay jealous, then go on a date with Christian, which also makes Clay jealous and apparently infuriates Jordan mm. and, and causes him to attack and co-opt a pinata to assist him in an attack. We didn't really get great footage, but that's coming next week. <laughs> I... uh I don't mean to sound so robotic. Like, what is this? Like, they said this, but they meant this. Like, but it, but it, it does seem like there's a lot of disparate messaging here. There is a come, come and find true love and get married. And they always reference back to like the, the three couples. Is it, is it three or just two? It's three. There was another one that they never speak of, Marcus and Lacey. Oh, because they got married and then they had it an old. So you know, oh, they're okay. yeah, little. Little hot dish there, little Ooh. little little juicy gossip for you. Some trouble in paradise. Yeah, okay, okay. Zing 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 zing. Okay, so I, it's just frustrating because the people. If I was going on 
the show and I'm and I'm with like I'm looking at nine or ten other women and I can be open and free and talk to all of them. I I would do that, but you can say you can't say Dylan is being insincere when all they do is talk about how in, how insincere Blake is, how insincere so and so is. Dylan's being the most sincere, and yet he's kind of getting punished for. It, I feel well, and it's really awkward because you have the 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 backfiring quality of all of all of the women, especially being like, "Oh, Dylan is so great. He's so into you. He's so sweet. He's he's the right guy." And just you should be with Dylan. Like Blake is so terrible, and Dylan is so amazing. And so, but uh, the problem is like somebody being really into you is not really enough of a reason for you to like them when you like somebody else mm-hmm. so the fact that she has has terrible taste in men you know is not going to be overcome just because people are like but he just is really into you i think she knows he's into her uh one of my favorite things about seasons of of this franchise is the joy i get out of reading recaps from entertainment weekly and from vulture and uh, I don't remember which one it was, but one of the recappers described Dylan as coming up to Hannah and wrapping his entire body around her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. That's what he does. It's like, it, yeah, I mean, he's- Women he, love that. He's like he's like the little uh, the little blanket in the Brave Little Toaster. He just comes <laughs> up to her and is like, oh, hi, Hannah, and just wraps around her. And she just kind of stares off into the blank middle distance. Kirby! Exactly. <laughs> Contemplating uh, how she's supposed to deal with being being literally smothered with his affection. And I'm sorry, I think Dylan is adorable, but he's just, he's it's so much. <laughs> and he needs to kind of settle down a little bit. It's just frustrating because when they are together, she does seem to be feeding into it. Like, she does say, like... Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, well, he kissed me, but it's not a big deal because I'm here for you. And it's like, well... Yeah, it's just... I don't know. We'll get into that in a second. So... She's not innocent, (laughs) for sure. Something I thought was really interesting was... I I did a few studies on on, on culture when pursuing my degree. And there's these kind of continuums or spectrums that you can use to actually measure a culture and and one of those is feminine versus masculine and what that means is not what it sounds like it what it means is like a if a culture is more feminine it means that there's more of an egalitarianism uh regarding the roles of the genders so like some I think there there are a few Scandinavian countries that are that kind of are ranked this way, and what it means is like it's not it's not all that means basically is it's not weird for women to be in roles of leadership, or it's not weird for men to stay at home with the kids. Like it just means that there's more fluidity with gender roles versus a more masculine culture. I kind of love that, by the way. That sounds amazing. It's it sounds it's it's you know America is is. People might disagree, but America would rank pretty low on the masculine scale. What what masculine means is all it means is that the roles are are more more stratified, they're more uh, structured. So, like you'd think, like Middle Eastern countries, like Saudi Arabia, very very masculine culture. But you do see this in other cultures, like Spanish speaking countries, um, Mediterranean countries kind of there are still expectations like for example when you went on that trip to italy when you were 
Um, I was 17. 17. And she was walking around smoking cigars in, in Italy. And uh, the people around her were just completely scandalized that this you know, this girl is smoking this big old stogie, you know? Yeah, I could have been chain smoking cigarettes and it wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have been an eyelash. I could have been drinking alcohol. But the fact that I was smoking a cigar, it was very, you know, disrupt- disruptive to the machismo, I think. <laughs> so... So with that in mind, I was very interested watching the dynamic between Christian and Nicole, because Christian says, you know, in an ITM, I'm here in my in my home country. It's working to my advantage. I'm turning on my Mexicanness, basically. And Nicole is really responsive to that. And I was thinking about that and how there's such a loud signal coming from uh, American mainstream culture about how machismo is bad and you know toxic masculinity is bad but you do see this kind of culture clash when you see christian and nicole and it's like she's very responsive to that very masculine over overbearing kind of energy and i i just what what, what do you think of that yeah um it was a little disappointing honestly because nicole was she was really rewarding that and i thought it was kind of icky um, because he, he was not only, uh, he was not only quite ridiculous, he was also kind of uh, bordering on aggressive, not just assertive, but actually aggressive. And right. I, I, it, it kind of bothered me because I was like, okay, dude, like you just met this person. I know you're on TV, but you, but yeah, again, slow your roll, settle down. It's, it's, it's actually not that far off from the level of intensity Cam was taking about like, I just want to have children with you immediately. You know, but it was in a, a very different way. Or like how Luke was with Hannah in like episode two of that season. Yeah. Similar intensity, different sort of direction of the energy and different uh, articulation of it. But still, it was like, okay, n- none of you own each other in this situation. Like you don't get to like make these kinds of you don't get to make these kinds of overtures without there being some kind of consequence. Or maybe you do. Maybe that's what paradise means. Maybe that's the translation I wasn't aware of. It means unsolicited ownership of strangers. Well, it, it's just, um, Nicole said some interesting things. She says he reminds me of the guys back home and, and she didn't not like it. So, which is, which I'm going to call BS on that a little bit because she said in her intro, we go back to, what was it? Was she Ari season or Colton season? I can't even remember. She was Colton season. Okay. Oh, that's right. Anyeka. Yeah. Because she yeah. cried on okay. Anyeka the whole fight. Yeah. That's right. And Colton wasn't into her because he had a very specific type um, mm-hmm. from the from the the lands of Scandinavia. <laughs> um, but and Tasha. Anyway, yeah, I remember Nicole's intro package way back at the beginning of Colton season. She was like, "Yeah, I'm single in Miami, and it's just so hard to date in Miami because it's just." You know, everybody is, everybody is out, like, on the prowl and, like, hot and all they want to do is hook up. And it's like, okay, well, so that's unappealing. So you want, like, a, a, you know, trademark nice guy like Colton. But then when this guy, this bro shows up, you're right. I mean, she totally is responding to it. Maybe she... She needs to get her story straight. Maybe she always wants the guys back home, but she doesn't get picked back home and so it's like oh i'm finally getting to have my miami experience that i I mean she does seem to be relishing in all the attention she's practically giddy 
But like, so, so as a guy, it's very interesting to watch because I get sent mixed messages through the media where I see Nicole rewarding the behavior, but then you have a lot of outspoken people, you know, in the media saying that like this is toxic masculinity, and so it's just very, it's very, um, it's very baffling for me. I'm not worried because I know I know exactly I I can't be a toxic masculine person. It's it it, it would just be laughable. <laughs> so I so like. I said I I've stopped trying, I, I never started trying actually. So <laughs> I just knew better. But you, you can see people saying like, "See, girls like that," and it, it's just it, it's very unfortunate. And it's very troubling. And I think a really good counterpoint to that would be Clay because Clay is huge and very very traditionally masculine in his sort of his physique and his you know his stature and his his presence but i mean you know he didn't when christian confronts him he doesn't even stand up like he's just he's chill i mean it's very much like the big dog doesn't have to bark exactly kind of situation he is not bothered by it and then when he's being kind of baited into a confrontation he's just like you know i don't want to put nicole into a difficult situation i'm a gentleman i'm gonna step away but it's not because of you it's because i care about her i I mean i i want to i want to think he was doing that and that was his reason but i i think it's just because i just don't think people know how to do confrontation well and i just it's like uh yeah although then he's over there with the guys and you know jordan's getting all amped up like dude do you want me to go do you want to go get the pinata do you want to get the pinata do you want to do it and he's like no i don't i don't want you to go get i know you want to do it and wills is just shaking his head like no man no 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 (laughs) and it's great but you saw it you saw it on the beach when dylan and blake were like fighting over who gets to talk to hannah in Mm. front of hannah you see this very unfortunate, like wow, no one knows how to do confrontation well. And I mean, it was it was true with. I mean, you saw it last week with Annalise, and it, I'm glad you brought this up because this was before the whole John Paul Jones soliloquy, which I very much enjoyed. Um, that was almost my toast—a toast to people deciding who gets to talk to a woman before they can actually ask her themselves. Well, we could do another cheers. We could. Yes, so cheers to that noise. It was it was very upsetting. <laughs> it's, it's a recurring theme I'm on like, this show. How about you ask her? How about she's standing right there? You can just ask her who she, what she wants to do and who she wants to talk to. It, well, in both cases, n- not to sound you know Machiavellian here, but like it's actually a great tactic to win the argument. Where like in the case of Blake and Dylan, Dylan would just go, "Well, Hannah, who do you want to talk to?" And Blake might lose. You know, if she goes, "I want to talk to you." Blake has no leg to stand on if she were to say that. So it's actually a pretty, pretty clever tactic, I think. But the guys don't think that way. It's, it's they just think, but you had her all day. <laughs> I wanted to have her for a while. It's not fair. I'll tell you what. I've done a lot of babysitting this summer. This was not unlike. But I was playing with it, and I got it for my birthday, so he can't play with it. I mean, that's how they're treating these women. And it's pretty gross. Not into it. It It's unfortunate, but it's also, I mean, I was... And I'm not letting them off the hook either. They could have spoken up and they could have been like, hey, um, let me do anything besides, in Hannah's case, just stand there and twirl her hair. I'm going to be honest and say, in the case of Nicole, not Hannah, but Nicole, I think Nicole liked it. I think she liked seeing guys fight over her. I think she did too. 
And because, yeah, I mean, if she had been bothered by it, there was a lot of... Dylan and Blake were not leaving a lot of space for Hannah to interject, but Clay and Christian definitely were. And she could have spoken up and been like, hey, so how about this compromise or something? I think she was enjoying being in the middle of a telenovela or romance novel for a moment where there was just all this turpor over what she was, you know, what what they wanted from her and, and just being able to steal a little bit of her time, her precious time. It was, yeah, I think she was getting into, getting into character. And kids, today's vocab word is turpor. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I used it right. I'm not entirely sure. Well, if you look it up and let us know, we'd appreciate it. All right, so here is the... Hashtag cheers to that podcast. (laughs) So here's my controversial question of the night. So we talked about the the approach of the Dylan versus Hannah. We've talked about the approach of of Jordan versus Cam. My, My big beef with these last two episodes is actually Blake versus Demi. This is what I mean by that. I was, I'm really kind of frustrated with, with Demi's kind of arc this season about being on the show basically to find out if she likes girls or guys or likes girls and guys. I feel like it's very artificially whomped up. It sounds like she already knows that she likes both. So why are they going to bring in this person who's never been on the franchise before? It's not a former contestant. They're going to actually bring this woman on just to stir things up, just to make, just to make Derek cry? Is that the goal? That's that's kind of mean. So so in the, so in the case of Blake, you have Blake fucking around with what well, it turns out it was Hannah and Kaylin and Christina. Christina and was it And then she took he took And Tasha. He took Tasha on the date. But wasn't Tasha at I think at, he was texting her or something. He definitely saw her at Stagecoach. This yes. is this is one wild country music festival, apparently. Okay, so prior to going on the show, he had interacted with Tasha, Hannah, Kaylin, and Christina on in varying degrees of intimacy, which used to be grounds for all kinds of stuff. I think it was the the first BIP. It was the second with Joe and yeah, yeah. like that was the whole arc was like, oh no, they they talked before they went on the show. Like, what was sk- her name? I don't. If someone wants to Google this for us, we'd appreciate it. So, uh, you know, like pearl clutching horror and scandal. Okay. Well, if you were to apply Demi's logic to Blake, it would become a completely different situation. Like if Samantha, if- that was it. Okay, awesome. Well, that's right. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's fine. So, okay, so swap roles. Okay, just, 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 just. This is a this is a, a thought experiment here, okay? Blake tells Tasha on the first date that he previously had interacted with Hannah and Kaylin and Christina because he really wants to settle down and find a partner, and he's trying to figure out what kind of partner he really wants, and he's trying to figure that out about himself. Okay, pretend that pretend that was the case. If he was, if it was framed that way, would Blake really be a villain? Mind you, if Demi had told Derek that there's someone she's she has dated back home, but it was a guy, not a girl, how would that really be any different than the Blake situation? People will say, "Well, Blake 
was being dishonest because he wasn't telling the other girls before he told the other girls. Well, Demi told literally everyone on the beach except for Derek. Yeah. So she wasn't like being more honest than Derek in her situation. I, I just think I just think it's a very artificially put together narrative that the producers want from Demi to show how progressive they are. Yeah, or how, like look how far we've come. Like, look how not regressive we are now and it's just whenever but if you're gonna make a dramatic plot point about how she is feeling uneasy about telling him when he could not have been cooler about it he was so nice about it and but you're still gonna make this big build-up about how how this revelation is gonna go and you artificially chop and screw this reaction together before the commercial break where he looks like he's just shocked Uh but then they actually show the scene and he's fine yeah um, that, that's not great because that, that's actually regressive, I think, because it, it's trying to make a dramatic plot point out of something that is one, this person's real life and two, yeah. something that you're trying to say, you're trying to say it's, it's an acceptable thing. It's, it's not a big deal while also making it scandalous somehow it's like get your story straight bachelor producers like you need to you need to decide where you want to land yeah it's really it's really unfortunate because it just the show has a terrible track record whenever it tries to deal with modern day identity politics and controversy it just gets super messy so like see having the first ever african-american lead and having someone who tweeted some pretty nasty racist stuff who, as one of the contestants. Well, not just well, not just one as the but the the issue was like if he was a contestant organically fine, but you find out he's recruited to be on the show. Like I know what we'll do is we'll recruit a, a racist contestant. It's really baffling, and then and and most likely negotiate with Rachel to keep him on the show longer than he she would have chosen to keep him. Yeah, it doesn't convince anyone. Like it, it, we all know how artificial it was, and then also. The whole issue with Corinne and what's his face? In Demario? The water. Demario, yeah. So Demario and Corinne and saying how that was racially charged. And it just, that, that came off so, that just, that just threw me completely off. Like, like yeah. Um, whenever they try to deal with like these identity politics issues, it just comes off very artificial. My thoughts on the situation is that it's it's not cool that Demi feels ostracized or she, she's been bullied or attacked back home because uh, of her sexuality. I don't think that's good. I, I think that she should um, be respected and, and, and taken seriously and, and feel free to figure that whole situation out without any sort of threat. However, when she talks to Derek, it's framed up as in a, are you okay with me being sexually fluid? When really the question is, are you okay with the fact that I'm dating someone else? Because it, because that's what basically Blake also did. Yeah, and, or even um, she got some criticism and some comparisons to Jed, even. Yeah, so if somehow we're, we'd be led to believe that if it wasn't the guy back home and not a girl, Demi would be just as bad as Jed. But for some reason, it's it's not being treated that way. And so... I mean, if I was Derek in that situation, I'd just be very, very confused. And he did mention it like, well, I'm not happy that you're dating someone else. But, but- he he did say, I'm okay with slow, which I think is really the most gracious thing that he honestly could have said. And it's the most realistic thing because 
the editing of the show makes us want to think they've been on the show for two weeks now, but they've been on the beach for like three or four days. So, yeah, they should probably take it slow if they've only been making out for four days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they they know the topography of each other's mouth orifices pretty well by now, but they don't know a whole lot more, you know, in depth beyond that. So. So, I don't know. What what do you think? Do you think I'm, I'm off base? Like, do you think the Demi situation and the Blake situation are totally different or do they actually really similar when you get down to it. I think in part it comes down to perception. And I mean that, sorry, that sounds so obvious, but really you kind of have to, you have to take into account the nonverbal. I don't get the sense that Demi is out to hurt anyone. I think that she was really being evasive and vague with Derek because she was trying to figure stuff out while sparing his feelings, while just kind of, processing and biding her time until she knew how to tell him in a way that that wouldn't hurt him and that was respectful and that you know would 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 be clear but I think she had to get some clarity herself before she could get there and when I see that I don't think of that as somebody who's being malicious or or destructive toward the other person or toward relationship prospects I mean she's she's working out a way to be honest I feel like Blake, on the other hand, was working out ways to be dishonest <laughs> to, uh, for his convenience and to make sure that he doesn't come off in a bad light or something like that. There's a difference between processing so that the truth is... Um, I, mean, I, mean, really, I mean, really, Blake, I mean, to be completely realistic, like, Blake is just trying to be as irresponsible as possible. While without... still saving face and looking like a good guy. Right, right. Which, you know, will definitely blow up in his face, which which did. I I, I do believe deep down Demi is being authentic and, and, and just trying to be, just trying to make it all work and just make sense of it. But she's also, she didn't have to go on the show to do it. I know. I think it was, she probably just got offered a lot of money <laughs> to go on the show. And I mean, you see that in the little, somebody called, her scene with Jordan where they're sort of trash talking everybody who walks by on the beach. They, they call them the Statler and Waldorf of of <laughs> Paradise, which are the old old men on the Muppet show. <laughs> where they just kinda heckle everybody. Yeah. And um yeah, I'm sure that she she and Jordan were probably both offered uh a nice chunk of change to fulfill those roles and so I mean, yeah, it's it's performance, and I, I think that anything that we see that is authentic and kind of a struggle to quote unquote find a love or or however they want to frame it, any of that kind of raw and real emotion, as Hayne the Beast would say, um, mm-hmm. any any of that that we see is somewhat separate from this this role that they're playing as audience surrogate, as narrator, as yeah. comic relief, and that kind of thing. So. Honestly, I I find it kind of compelling, you know, when when Demi is like just, you know, I, actually telling telling people like I I'm actually really struggling. I I always want to be I always want to seem so strong and so cool, but I don't always feel that way. It's actually very endearing, right? I did um, I did appreciate and that. And Blake and I mean, if we're if we're gonna compare compare and contrast with Blake, he's not really doing that. He's not really showing any kind of vulnerability that makes that endears us to him. It's all ringing very false because it just looks like a guy who's like, oh, I got caught again. Oh, no. It's kind of amazing in episode three where episode two, he's crying to the camera about how like, oh, no, this reflects poorly on my family and those I love. And on day three, he's like, 
I'm I'm going after Hannah as 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 if like the stuff from yesterday didn't actually happen. Yeah, and when we didn't even hear anything about Hannah when he was taking out Tasha and then like freaking out because Kaylin and Kaylin and Christina show up, and it, so there's he's just got a lot of well, I think Jordan said it best. He's got a spoon in all the pudding. <laughs> so he's he's just he's just got a big mess. He's he is all he is dissipated all over the place and it's just it's hard to know what's true because there's no there's no focus to uh to his game. You did bring up a good point about how these contestants come on and they do kind of fulfill a role like like narrator or comic relief. And that's why I think it's really important to point out look, when some of these guys are being shit stirrers or vil- outright villains like Blake or Jed or Luke P or anything, they might really suck with their choices on the show, but it's still not cool to attack them or their family members online. It's really just treat the show like it's an actual TV show with actual characters. Don't because everything you're seeing is being filtered, is being curated. Uh, one thing is being edited out. One thing is being uber focused on that wasn't really that important. Yeah, you can even hear the difference in the in the voiceovers. Sometimes it sounds like it was from a completely different time and place because it was and the producers just you know cut copied and pasted it into another audio track so i mean sometimes it's even blatant that it's manufactured so you have to take it with you know a whole lot of margarita salt um zing zing hey so i mean this these podcasts these recaps and and these blogs it's all in good fun Enjoy but it's it. not fun that the family is signed up for, so leave them out of it. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know. Do you got anything else to say? Um, I was really, really happy that Mike showed up. <laughs> yeah, I want to say he... I got to say, he he is the best part of the the theme music right now. Like, his, his failed front flip thing is... It's like, very cute. It's the only good one right and now. And I love it. He showed up, and it was like all the women just lost their minds. It was amazing. They're just... <laughs> and uh just all sort of fluttering around and and i know we give the producers some grief for like editing things in a way that's maybe ingenuine as jordan would say or uh just not entirely accurate but the soft focus glamour shot filter they did on mike was (laughs) was a plus and i loved it so much and um yeah he has the best smile ever and I really enjoyed the uh, surprise party mariachi band uh, shouting, popping out from behind potted plants and shouting basil, basil. It was excellent. Is it is it wrong that I mean, at the end of episode four, it seems like him and Sydney or Sydney and he, I, you're the English major here, Sydney and he him, and Sydney, Sydney and himself <laughs> uh, are an item. Is it wrong that, like, I hope that fails because I want him to be the next lead? I totally think that that could be what's happening. He may just be getting to know her because he thinks she's a cool girl and he thinks that she'll give him a rose and he can stick around a little longer. There's no there's no shame in that game. I want Sydney and Big Mike to have complete and full happiness in life, but not now and not together. <laughs> for right. my own selfish not entertainment now, reasons. Not now, not ever, not together, separately, <laughs> at a different time, a different place, individually, with other unknown parties. Um, yeah, no, e- Hasht- this, a similar... Go ahead. Hashtag not my mic. 
Right. I don't know. Mike for Bachelor. Um, yeah, no, no, no paradise for Mike. <laughs> um, and, well, and that's not unlike what happened with Nick Vial. He had a really complimentary edit uh, to contradict his previous yeah, Bachelorette was... appearances. And really, really a great redemption story at Paradise. And, and ended up not proposing to Jennifer at the end even though she was great, because he knew he was going to be Bachelor at that point. Uh, similar thing with Colton. He was hanging out with Tia. Colton. And, uh... <laughs> I, I, I just love Colton. Colton. I just want to date him. Um, but My name is Clay. <laughs> we're bringing that back. And now he's Southern. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> Colton also knew that he was going to be Bachelor, and so he ended up not proposing to Tia, also because he was not that into her. Uh, it's so irresponsible. But uh, my point being, there are ways to uh, to make a good showing of it, but not get yourself too entangled in uh, in a relationship at the uh, playa playa Puerto Vallarta playa something. I don't remember. Puerto de Awesome. Oh. Yes. Puerto, well, Puerto de Bachelor. We can only hope. Uh, cheers to Mike and Sydney going down in flames for our entertainment. And of course, my uh, my English literature loving, theater loving heart was so pleased at the somewhat botched um, performance by John Paul Jones studied rigorously underneath a giant pillow on that beach couch thing <laughs> amazing um it was it was just adorable and i and i really love that that it worked for Tasha. she seemed she seemed to really respond to it so best wishes to them and their burgeoning romance we wish you all the best cheers to Tasha and jpj cheers the bard so that wraps up this extra long, extra complicated episode of Cheers to That Podcast. Um, please check the show notes at, at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast for the cocktail recipe for the grenade in paradise, as well as the link to next week's round of bingo cards. Uh, thank you so much for listening with us, and we look forward to next time with you. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers!